Coming at you live from the KTSWs in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, KTSW listeners. This is Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Jordan Young, and today joined with me is Nolan Phillips and my boy, Kobe. Today, we have an action-packed show for you guys. We're going to be recapping some golf, some tennis, and some track. They all performed well over these past weekend weekend, and we're also going to get into some softball and talk about mm, their kind of slide that's happening in the season, and baseball and their continued strength, where they are ranked 15th in some polls and 22nd in the official NCAA poll. But before we get into all that exciting sports talk, Kobe, let's hear an ad from our sponsors. Twin Peaks Restaurant is and Sports Bar is a sponsor of the uh, this uh, broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on Northbound Frontage Road of I-35 and Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. And Nolan, before we get started, how about you give us an update on the sport that Serena Williams made popular to me? Yeah, the tennis team. The tennis team, they're 4-10 overall, 1-3 in Sunbelt play, and they suffered a 4-0 uh, to zero loss against App State, who's 3-9 and nine and 1-2 and in a Sunbelt Conference matchup at Deer Valley Racquet Club. The assistant coach, Kendall Brooks, said today's loss was tough. We had some adversity that we weren't able to overcome, and App State played well, and they took care of business. We will need to regroup and learn from this and prepare for the next one at home next week. Appreciate that update on tennis and coming with you guys for an update on golf. Tech State men's golf is traveling to complete in the All-American Intercollegiate hosted by the University of Houston. They are doing that today and tomorrow. Tech State enters the All-American Intercollegiate um, Tournament after finishing first in the Jack Rabbit Intertational in Nevada earlier this month. And then moving on to women, after their first round in the Bama Beach Bash hosted by South Alabama and UAB, Texas State and Frederica Wirtland are on top of the leaderboard among 16 schools and 99 players. Oh, my Lord. Tech State leads the field <laughs> among 16 other schools after round one of the Bama Bash. They tied, They finished five over par 293 and had 12 birdies. And here are the standings for the tournament going into their first day. Uh, Frederica Westerland is leading first among all athletes in the tournament. We also have Marianne, who is um, eighth in polls, and we also have Juana, who is 14th, and Matilda, who is 20th. So shout out to the women's golf team who was putting on a good performance down there in Alabama. And before we get into some softball, Kobe, let's talk about the track team. Certainly. Uh, Texas State uh, earned five wins and saw a pair of, of of a top 10 school marks on Saturday as the Bobcats closed out their first outdoor meet of the season at the UTSA Invitational at Park West Athletics Complex on Saturday. Uh, Sadie Giles, uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Har- uh, Harold, uh, Anaya Washington, Alyssa Wilson, and Cedrica, I think I pronounced it right, uh, uh, win all earned victories in their respective events to highlight the day for the Bobcats. Wilson and Harold, meanwhile, each uh, each posted the eighth best mark in school history in their events. Wilson, who set a school record on Friday in the hammer throw, uh, threw uh, 52.96 uh, is it miles? I'm assuming the meters, meters. Meters. Okay. And uh, in the discus on Saturday to earn her 12th uh, different top 10 mark in the school record books. Thank you for that recap, Nolan and Kobe. You guys can always catch um, our golf and track team. Just keep up with what they're doing on the Tech State Athletics website. But moving on to 
softball. As I said, you guys, coming off their 1-2 split against um, South Alabama, the Bobcats are now 2-4 in conference play, placing them two spots from last place. They are now sitting in eighth in Sunbelt play. And guys, one of the main questions I was having, this team had really big expectations coming into um, the season this year. They were ranked first in preseason polls, and now obviously they're sitting in eighth. So what do you guys think is happening with this softball team? I just think they can't score. That's that's the problem in their last couple games. I mean, obviously able to pick up the in the series finale, able to kind of avoid the sweep and able to score three. But in their last five, they scored zero, one, zero, four in the win against UTSA and then one and two against App State, which they both were losses. And this is considerably lower than last season where they were able to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Vanderford. McKay and then obviously Jessica Mullins held it down on the mound and she's been doing well considerably like going out there and keeping the opposing teams to lower runs but they just can't score they can't hit at like they did last year and they're showing to seeing their struggles they're 14 and 12 overall and like I said heading into Sunbelt play that that's something concerning going into the into the regular season yeah I mean absolutely I mean you you hit it right on the head you know it's more it's gotta have like a balance of like of how to like be consistent because honestly if you're consistent whether you're doing anything on softball I mean that's that's a winning chemistry in my book and I feel like there's just there's something missing from the softball team but honestly I don't think they can figure that out uh, yet but like you said heading into conference play you know things got to step up they got to play Texas uh, this coming Wednesday and then uh, a conference series against Coastal Carolina this weekend so I mean they just need to try to find a way to rebound themselves and hoping they can get back on a winning track. Kobe, you talked about um, you couldn't point to what it could possibly be. I think one thing could be is that they're not fast enough to get on bases. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I have I have observed so far in my growing knowledge of baseball and softball is, look, <laughs> you can hit the ball as good as you want, but if you're not hitting a home run, you're going to have to get to first base. And to get to first base, you're going to have to run quickly. And one of some of these observations by watching some of these games and reading some reports is just like they are not getting to the base quick enough. They hit the ball and then they get um, they get struck out before they even get on base. So that's one issue. And then another issue is pitching, which is completely different from the baseball team, who is honestly having str- they have a strong pitching team. Our softball team does not have very good strong pitchers. They are allowing easy runs right now, and they're not getting many strikeouts, and they're allowing batters to just hit the ball and get several home runs. Against a team like South Alabama, where we have better athletes than them, and I think that was that was shown in preseason polls, we should be performing better than what we did against South Alabama and other previous teams. Um, we play teams like Oklahoma and Baylor, and you expect to lose to those teams because they are highly ranked, especially Oklahoma. Home, they're the number one team in the country. But when you're playing Sunbelt Conference teams, you kind of have to like step up, and they're not doing that right now. Yeah, Jessica Mullins, she's been out there the most for the Bobcats in 19 appearances, and she's pitched 83 innings, and that is 50 more than number two, which is Carson Pierce. And she struck out 96, so she's obviously the bright star. She was a freshman last year, the sophomore this year. And behind her, Carson Pierce, ERA over three, and then behind her, Presley Glenn is also over three. So in terms of ERA, it's not terrible, but when, like we said, when we don't have those base runners to support decent pitching, you're going to get yourselves into those low scoring games where you're probably going to lose any final thoughts on softball before we get head into baseball i'm good all right now for what everybody been waiting for texas state has a team that is nationally recognized a team that shows up in big game moments <laughs> as they did in fourth against texas softball i mean baseball completed a sweep against arkansas state they had a 15-7 win their first game and then the last two games were really close their last game um this weekend they won five to four coming off a run in the last inning so boys 
What do you think about this softball team? They continuously show that they can win in any type of contest. That first game was a blowout, which we're kind of used to at this point now with this team blowing out some of these Sunbelt Conference teams. But those other ones, those were close matches. And when I said that before we got on air, I like when teams win close games because it shows me that you can withstand some adversity when mm-hmm. the night is not going your way. So what do you think about the baseball team and their performance against Arkansas State? I mean, it was another another dominant performance, I think, from this Bobcats team. I think game two and game three of the series were kind of like, okay, we now we kind of got an idea of what these guys are made of. So now we're going to kind of tighten the bolts a little bit and try to, you know, uh, kind of get them at a closer end. So I think that's what this series was. But I mean, they're on an eight game winning streak right now. I think that win against Texas in in Austin was a like big momentum shift for them. They're on an eight game winning streak. They swept uh, Southern and they beat Prairie View, and then they obviously swept uh, Arkansas State. So I mean, you can't ask for you can't ask for a better start than this. Uh, Dalton Sheffield and uh, John Wethridge. I mean, these two are being absolutely like great this past this this season and uh there's a lot of great uh, great players on this ball uh, on this ball club so uh, like i said greatness is is how you describe this team honestly yeah we were talking preseason as well or pre-show should i say that this baseball team last year got a total wins of 21 and that's it mm-hmm. and through through 21 games this year they have 18 wins which i think is the most telling stat also 12 and 2 at home 6 and 1 away so they're able to perform not only with their bobcat crowd but able to go into these other places in the sun belt just to lead off with arkansas state and hold their own like like you said dalton shuffield another bat uh wesley Faison has also hit some couple home runs mm-hmm. and then on the mound i want to talk about tristan stivers and he is absolutely electric coming out of the bullpen he holds it down he has the second most strikeouts on the team as a relief pitcher which is it's phenomenal to oh, have yeah. to have a guy like that that can come in in these close games and hold it down and make sure that you can solidify a win. Mm-hmm. And guys, we're going to go to a break about real quick and we'll come back. We're going to continue this Texas State baseball conversation because there is so much to get into. And I really want to talk about the realignment and what is going to come up for this baseball team. So you were listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW San Marcos. And we are back. You are listening to Bobcat Radio here on KTSW San Marcos 89.9. And we are going to get back into this baseball conversation. And boys, we were just looking at these conference standings right now. And there are four teams who have winning streaks over five games. Um, the top of the Sunbelt Conference is really steep right now. You have Tech State, who is 3-0, as well as South Alabama, Troy, and Georgia State. So what do you guys think this team is going to They're going to have to keep winning if other teams are going to keep performing well like this. And honestly, it's not really a surprise that teams um, are performing well in the Sunbelt Conference because this is a baseball conference. And especially after realignment, when you add teams like Old Dominion, James Madison, and Liberty, it's going to increase the competitiveness of this baseball conference. So what do you guys think about um, these teams so far and what the Bobcats are going to have to do to continue being on top? I mean, you pretty much said just keep winning, you know, because – I know sometimes uh, in baseball, you know, you sometimes have little slumps and stuff in the season. That's that's pretty common and stuff. But honestly, the way this pa- this baseball team is going, if they can somehow keep just going and going, keep winning like they have been so far, then they should be they should be fine and they should be. I think they should just dom- dominate this conference because every time I speak to the co- coach Trout, he always tells this guys, you know, once you know the first game's over, you know, another game is up, and like once the clock hits midnight. It's over, you know. You gotta move on to the next one, and you know, like just get ready, get get prepared, and everything. And that's honestly a great mindset you ha- you should have for a coach, especially you know at the uh, baseball standpoint. So as long as they can keep winning and keep uh, keep focus, I mean, who knows? They can they could run this conference, honestly. Yeah, I definitely agree, Kobe. I think the most 
important thing to note is that they don't really play those top teams until later on in the season. They'll be playing Coastal and App State before they head up into those higher-ranked teams in the Sun Belt, and they'll also play a game against A&M. So I think it's a great time heading into uh, conference play, should I say, to kind of tighten things up, make sure the team is how you want it set going later on, and make sure like every every aspect, pitching, hitting, is on point before you face those more daunting opponents in the same conference. And wrapping up the baseball conversation, we were talking about the NIT for Texas State men's basketball, and I really want to get into this before we get into national sports because I don't think any of us had an opportunity to talk about the collapse that we have witnessed over the last month going into some belt um, conference tournament where the boys lost in the first round and then also heading into the NIT where Texas State men's also lost in the first round to North Texas. So guys, we had a we had a we had a lot of thoughts in the studio before we came on air about the game and how the program is doing so far and why they can't win big games. So just let's just kind of bring the audience into what we were talking about before we came on air. Yeah, we we had the whole kind of spring break to kind of relax about the basketball team and unfortunately they did lose in the first round, but I mean, you could say the future is bright. Of course, Coach TJ has this experience now of two seasons of losing in the first round and two seasons of being Sunbelt regular season conference champions. And I think that's a notch in the belt that you can have, that you can build this team around. I think the disappointment will bring them back even more fierce. If if I could say it kind of brought them back more fierce this season, they looked like a more refined team and maybe another loss could give them a little bit more extra determination and motivation to overcome at least a first round exit maybe they can i'm praying for a second round exit at least next year (laughs) yeah i mean you know watching that game it they had a lot of heart and a lot of fight in them you know went into overtime and tried to pull it out and you know it just didn't obviously just didn't go our way but i feel like there is i feel like there's something missing from this team like i feel like there should be maybe like uh, maybe like the guys are not playing like their style of basketball. Maybe that's the thing, or maybe there's just not a big team leader like you know, like a lot of other teams are. But something's mi- but something's missing to get them over that hump to make them actually believe that we can actually like do this and go far. You know, because we honestly thought maybe they could go far like in the NCAA tournament. But you know, we always know obviously know how that turned out. But uh, you know. I feel like there's just something missing from from this program. Hopefully they can find that. So that way next year coming next year, they can have that mentality of, oh, we made it to the NIT. We should have been in the NCAA tournament. So let's I mean, we'll see what happens with this. I think one of the problems and I think Kentucky, the University of Kentucky, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. I think they run into this problem, too. They don't really ever have leaders on their team, which is why John Calipari haven't made it to a 16 in seven years. TJ is the leader of our basketball team. There isn't like that leader on the court, like that player from the locker room who is like leading the troops. TJ is the voice. He's the one leading the troops and kind of like Mason Harrell and Caleb Asbury. They just kind of follow their lead. I think we need that alpha on the team that's going to be like, hey, this is my team. I'm leading my troops into battle when they're down. If we need a three. I'm going to get the three. If we need a two, I'm going to get the two. If we need to get like some free throws, I'm going to drop to the basket, try to get to the free throw line. Like that is the type of player we need. And I personally don't think we have that. I don't know if y'all disagree or not with that. But I think that's one of the missing pieces, just like that alpha on the team that is going to like take over when we need them to. Yeah, I totally agree. And it kind of in a loose segue to March Madness, you could see that in the Purdue game. They have uh, his last name's Williams, I think. I'm not sure. But they, yeah. they, they definitely have a leader on the Purdue and that were, they were able to beat UT. They're able to get into the Sweet 16. 
other teams in the conference have leaders. I mean, even St. Peter's, who has 3,000 students, mm-hmm. able to beat Kentucky, like you said, and that's the problem with Kentucky. They have too many freshmen that are just one and done, and that's Kyle Parry's system. That's why people go to Kentucky, essentially. But like you said, Texas State doesn't really have that. They have a couple seniors, but they're not really like – putting their arms around and like keep your head up I know this is only a first round game but kind of et cetera things like that Jordan like you said that they need and I also think something interesting that they might need is just a second score that's all I'm asking for other than Caleb Asbury but <laughs> yes but yes. those are just my thoughts well moving on into national sports as we have kind of hinted at several times here because we have been itching to talk about this topic since we came in this morning is March Madness and we have seen a lot of upsets Baylor is now out busted a bunch of brackets Kentucky is out also busted a bunch of brackets and right now some of the teams we have left at least in Texas we have Texas Tech and Houston who is playing some gritty tough basketball so you guys what are some of these impressions that you have gotten from March Madness I'll go first my main one New Jersey. Who knew that the entire country would um, like cheering on the state of New Jersey? There's nothing there. But St. Peter's is making us all New Jerseyans at heart. And so I hope the Cinderella story goes on as long as possible, like we saw with Lyle Chicago a few years back. I think March Madness is beautiful because you get stories like this of teams who literally have not a single player who is ranked in high school, a city or a university that can fit their entire student body in a gym that is half the size of ours is whooping up. <laughs> Up on these teams with $30 million basketball budgets. And that it has been the most impressive thing coming out of March Madness for me. So what are some storylines that y'all are? I mean, remember, okay, so do you guys remember how last year's March Madness went when almost every top seed in the first round went out almost pretty much? Yes. So I wouldn't say it's like that this year, but I mean, but like you said, you have just so many great different stories this year that, I mean, they're just remarkable to hear it. I mean, I mean, Miami, look at Miami. Miami is free, uh, upset Auburn this past weekend, and they got a date with, um, I forgot who they playing this week. Miami I, saved us from seeing Iowa Charles State. Barkley shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate that, Miami. They play Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa State. So, but there's a lot of lower seeds in this, like Miami, Iowa State, uh, and St. Peter's. Those two, those three teams, uh, those three teams, oh, and Michigan. And, you know, those, those teams right now are actually kind of the favorites now, if you really... If you kind of really look at the matchups, I know some of them are kind of a little bit obvious, but I mean, hey, you know, like I said, anything is unpredictable in March Madness because anything can happen. It's unpredictable. You don't know who's going to come out as a winner. So but I can't really pick an early favorite right now. But right now, so far, it's for me, it's been Michigan so far as a favorite so far. Yeah, for me, uh, obviously, my favorite game to watch was the UNC Baylor game that went into overtime after. I forgot his name, but the UNC center got ejected for a flagrant two. And Mm -hmm. after that, a complete turnaround. They were down by 25 points and able to come back and go into overtime where UNC were able to scratch out a win. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite game to watch. Um, I'm happy I picked Michigan to go to the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like they're an 11 seed technically, but uh, first two round upsets. Obviously, I'm sure Juwan Howard is happy. And then for favorites, I, I don't know. Like I had Baylor winning it all. Kansas in the in the championship game but like I said I'm rooting for St. Peter's it's always fun to root for the underdog and then Gonzaga looks really refined especially they have uh, Chet Holmgren too and he's a freshman who's probably going to be a first round draft pick in the NBA and I don't know he's really talented he had a double double in their last game and I'm always a Gonzaga fan because I'm a John Stockton fan as well (laughs) Um, speaking about other teams in the conference we had Georgia State who 
as a Texas State fan, they were in our spot. I believe that should have been our spot. But Georgia State was representing the Sun Belt. And they played Gonzaga in their first round. And they honestly, they played really well against the number one seed. They gave up a good fight. Um, it, They kind of lost it there at the end. But that's kind of what you expect. Um when a 14 seed is going to get the number one in Gonzaga. And Gonzaga is a storied basketball uh, oh, yeah. program. There's nothing to do up there where that school is. Um, there's, <laughs> I think they have a population of like 3,000, and the school kind of really is the community there. So there's nothing to do but to play basketball. And so that is why they are really good. And the, Gonzaga is playing Arkansas um, in the Swiss 16, which starts the 24th. And my pick, going into the bracket, which I am currently sitting 68th, right now i had arizona and so far arizona is um playing really well and i'm kind of conflicted because <laughs> this houston team has grown on me and i'm a texas boy so i love to cheer for texas teams so i might have to just continue to ruin my bracket and i'm going to <laughs> i am cheering for houston and if you guys want to see houston in arizona play you can actually have an opportunity to they will be playing at the at&t center down in san antonio so i would suggest all you guys who are really big fans of ncaa basketball this is going to be one of your best chances to go see that since they are playing so close but any final thoughts on march madness before we get into the craziness of baseball free agency well there is one more thing you we we, we still have a possibility of a all Texas uh, state cha- uh, national yes, championship. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, we have a of still a possibility of an all Texas national championship. And honestly, if it goes down between Texas Tech and Houston, I mean, who know who knows? We can maybe have just a, bla- a blast watching it. Honestly, an all Texas from Texas Tech and Houston because those would be the possible teams who can meet in the championship would be in New Orleans, so we could Texas Louisiana out. Um, so that would be really exciting to see if we could get an all Texas um, March Madness. I don't think that will happen. I think the end up final matches will probably be Arizona, and I'm cheering for Duke since it is Coach K's final season. Mm-hmm. That will be. I don't think you can get a better ending to a, such a um, no. storied career as winning and going on top. So hopefully um, Duke and Arizona can meet in that matchup and get Coach K his um, final ring. But getting off of March Madness and get into some other madness, and that is NFL free agency. The NFL, we the AFC started an arms race like it was the 80s between Russia and the United <laughs> States. The AFC West is insane. Same with the AFC North, who added Deshaun Watson. Um, now, when I'm sitting in the studio with two Steelers fans, so you're probably going to hear some Steeler tears because um, they are probably going to be sitting fourth for the foreseeable future in their conference with behind Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and um, Deshaun Watson. So you guys, I see your, your, I see smiles of pain. I can see the pain between the smiles. So what do you guys think about the, the Deshaun Watson ad? Well, I was going to start with the AFC West, but we'll start with the AFC North. Um, I was really surprised because I thought he was going to go to Atlanta or New Orleans. That was his top two destinations. And then Adam Schefter said in like a turn of events, he wanted to go to the Browns. And they wound up giving him the most guaranteed money in NFL history, which I thought was the second most surprising thing about that. Because Mm -hmm. obviously with his off the field issues going on, I think definitely I I didn't see that coming. And as a Steelers fan, you're going to be happy to hear that, yes, we will be probably in fourth position, but still make the playoffs because that's how the Steelers do it. That's what Mike Tomlin does. Yeah, (laughs) We'll, We'll probably find a way to make the playoffs, but. Having to play Lamar twice, Joe Burrow twice, and Deshaun Watson twice, it's a daunting task. But we do have the Nickelodeon MVP in Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Kobe, what are your thoughts? Uh, when I Well, first off, I'm more happy that he got signed to a team. Deshaun Watson got signed, number one. Number two, I hate the fact that we lost Juju Smith-Schuster. That, was, that, shed, that shed a tear on me because I actually love watching him play. But, I mean... What more can you say? I mean, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back on a good team. I think the reason why they kind of paid him all that money, because I think it's because now 
I think Cleveland has their franchise quarterback now. I know it was supposed to be Baker Mayfield, but, you know, he kind of really hasn't shown anything, especially this past season. Like, you know, he hasn't, sh- like, shown at least— Do you say Cle- he hasn't shown anything? Like, you mean bringing a franchise that hasn't well, okay. won anything in okay. over d- a decade? Well, and okay. he brought them their first championship, appear- their first playoff appearance and win in over 50 years. True. Well, you're not—no, you you're not wrong on that. However, if you look—compared to what he did that year and compared to how he did last year— there's a big there's a big difference. You well, know? I, I think, and this is the this is the hard thing with Baker Mayfield is that the Browns arguably have a top three roster in the NFL, and that's my opinion coming from a Steelers fan, or at least top five. We can argue on top five, but mm-hmm. when you have a number one overall pick, you're supposed to get deep into the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I think that's been the disappointing thing with Baker Mayfield. You have people like Odell, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and a great offensive line and a, even a fantastic defense, and you're able to only get one playoff win. And I think this will that would that was his fourth year or third year last year. I think so. Yeah. What what? And, but like one playoff win in four years, and that's kind of disappointing from a number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be interesting to see where he winds up and what he's able to do on a healed shoulder. Also, because mm-hmm. they're obviously going to trade him after the Deshaun Watson acquisition, and I don't know. I'm, I'm I kind of root for Baker in this situation because he has been doubted, but I will obviously root against the Cleveland Browns forever and always. Well, it's funny. Sorry, it's funny you said that because uh, they actually signed uh, Cleveland actually signed a quarterback too. They actually signed uh, Jacoby Brissett and stuff in the offseason also. So I mean, I don't know where this is this is going to end because now you have Deshaun Watson possibly going to probably be the starting uh, quarterback this season. And then you got Jacoby Brissett after that. Do you think maybe Baker maybe doesn't want to be the third string quarterback, you think? Oh, definitely Most definitely. Not. That's why he um, requested a trade before it was even official that Deshaun Watson was going to be there. Um, but just some final thoughts before we move on to some other um, free agency moves that have happened over the NFL. As a Texans fan, I'm happy that we can finally get underneath um, the controversy and the turmoil surrounding Deshaun Watson. He held our franchise hostage for two years with obviously the off the field things with the 22 accusations that um, he was found. The grand jury decided not to press charges, but he does still face 22 civil um, um, lawsuits out in the court system. But we got three first round picks and we got a um, third round pick and a fourth round pick. And if you guys know anything about the Texans, we have not had a first round pick in the last two drafts Mm -hmm. because we traded them away because Bill O'Brien as our GM was not very good, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's now it's nice to finally have some picks and be able to see my team um, have a player walk across the stage. And so I'm glad that we can finally move on. And I think we have a decent quarterback in Davis Mills. And one thing before before we move on, I don't really know if giving Deshaun Watson all that money was a good idea. They fully guaranteed him $230, uh, $230 million. And we have seen teams that have heavily paid their quarterbacks without solidifying everyone else. Um, Exhibit A, the Green Bay Packers. They paid Aaron Rodgers all this money, and he has always complained about no weapons, and he also he complains about no weapons while requesting more money. Well, there's a cap space in the NFL, so if you give your player almost $40 million a year, <laughs> you're not going to have a lot of money left to play other players. I saw this thing on uh, The Herd with Colin Cowherd, and over the last, they brought up a statistic, I think it was the last 10 years, the team that won the Super Bowl hadn't been paying their quarterback more than 20% of the cap. I believe it was 20%. That sounds so, right. And now yeah. Aaron Rodgers has taken up like 35% or something insane mm-hmm. like that. And you, you see what happens. They had to trade Devontae Adams. They couldn't pay him. And now who's he going to throw to? Adam Lazard's gone. Um, they brought back Randall Cobb. I know mm-hmm. that. But kind of segue into the AFC West. Uh, 
insane. I mean, it started all it all started Arms off race. with Russell no Wilson kidding. to the Broncos, who the Broncos were looking for a quarterback until since Peyton Manning left, and then the Chargers went and picked up Khalil Mack to go chase after Russell Wilson this next season, and then the Raiders said, "You know what? Let's join in on this because the Chiefs have always been the Chiefs for the past couple of years." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Let's get Devontae Adams and reunite Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, who played at Fresno State together. So yes. it's definitely yes. going to be an interesting division to watch. Easily the best divi- preseason division heading into the season. And Kobe, what do you think? Uh, that's tough. I mean, you can't ask for better free agency than that, honestly. But here's my only issue with this: is that do you think the Chiefs are worried now at this point? Oh, most definitely. I think that dynasty that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all of them are talking about that took a major hit. Mm-hmm. Um, the AFC West is uh, the AFC in general is going. It's a crazy conference. It's going to be extremely um, tough to get out of there and to win Super Bowls. And you're going to have to face those teams twice a year, plus all the other teams you're going to have to face to get to the AFC Championship to get to the Super Bowl. That's a steep hill to climb. This is the best the AFC's ever looked. Do you, I mean, I, you look I around agree. the young quarterbacks. J- let's just list them off: Justin Herbert, um, Russell Wilson. Well, not young, but just quarterbacks in the NFC: Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Josh, J- Josh Allen. Allen. I can please Deshaun throw. Watson. Deshaun Watson. You're going to have to go through at least two of these just to get to the Super Bowl. One could argue those are all the best quarterbacks in the NFL outside yeah. of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Matthew Stafford. Uh, that's probably just the top three in the NFC. I, I can't even think of another guy that would be in the same conversation of at least those 10, roughly 10 that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to be a wild NFL season, and I'm sure the deals aren't done. Baker Mayfield still has to go somewhere, and obviously a couple of rookie quarterbacks in the draft that oh, yeah. are going to get drafted. So the AFC is going to be dangerous. And you know something also unfortunately that's going to be dangerous is this weather coming up. You guys, there is a high chance of strong thunderstorms developing this afternoon with damaging winds, large hail storms, and a possible tornado with storms with temperatures as high as 83 and winds reaching up to 20 20 to 30 miles per hour and there's going to be an 80% chance of rain as you have seen it has been raining since we all woke up this morning so make sure that you are safe and that you plan accordingly when you leave home and work tonight it is probably going to be a real dangerous one out there so make sure that you stay inside and prepare for this potential weather coming up but thank you for listening to Bobcat Radio here on KTSW Sam Marcus I'm your host Jordan Young and I was joined today by Nola Phillips who was on the board and co-hosting was Kobe Jackson you can listen to Bobcat Radio every Monday Wednesday and Friday here on KTSW from 11 to 1130. Now, let's get you to the other side of radio.